Encounter podcast where we explore matters of faith through aspects of sports. My name is Thomas Smith and I'm happy that you're listening this day. One of my best childhood memories was stopping off at the 7-Eleven after school to buy a couple packs of baseball or football trading cards, whichever was in season. Of course, at that time, I did not know of the industry of sports memorabilia, so my cards were put to use. I had a system of actually playing baseball and football games with these cards. 9-on-9 baseball was easier than 11-on-11 football, and most of the times, the participation numbers were modified, but all that was needed was space and a small object to serve as the ball. I had seasons, kept stats, even had my own stars and home run kings. You may not believe it, but I somehow did not generally predetermine the outcome of these games. So as far as you know, and that which I wanted to believe, the results were random. Anyway, according to my little sister, prior to one of my games, perhaps a playoff game, I was singing the national anthem when she walked into the room. She recalls, that I motioned her to stop and she stood at attention until I finished the song, maybe even until I uttered, play ball. Unrelated, but probably in the same year, Stevie Wonder released Songs in the Key of Life, which featured a song called Black Man. The chorus stated, we pledge allegiance all our lives to the magic colors red, blue, and white. But we all must be given the liberty that we defend. But without justice for all men, history will repeat again. It's time we learned this world was made for all men. Maybe in 2020, much of the world is seriously considering the veracity of those statements as we all internalize the horror of the murder of George Floyd. To our chagrin and dismay, we were able to witness the very thing that Colin Kaepernick was protesting during the playing of the national anthem by kneeling. He was eventually blackballed at the end of that season, and at the time of this recording, four years after his initial stance, has yet to return to professional football. Similar to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who likewise protested during the playing of the national anthem by staying in the locker room or remaining seated even praying, and never played in the NBA again after that season. Conceivably, during the last few years, we are all wondering why we even play the national anthem at all sporting events anyway, or at least all the time. Well, apparently in my sweet home Chicago, during the seventh inning stretch of Game 1 of the 1918 World Series, a band played the anthem. Everyone was already standing, and perhaps stemming from the tragedy of the detonation of a bomb nearby, killing some and injuring more the day before, 
along with the announcement that the government would now draft baseball players into service, there was rousing patriotic participation from players and spectators. A few years later, in 1931, the commissioner of the NFL mandated that the anthem be played at every NFL game. So, in a sense, football and the national anthem are tied at the hip. But then other sports leagues follow suit, and over the years, we recognize the tradition. But that doesn't really answer why we play it at sporting events. The problem we have now is that we do not have a unified answer to that question. Is it a display of straight patriotism? Are we honoring the flag? And so, what are we to do, think, and feel when the anthem plays? At some point, you grow older and you examine this. No longer like my naive little sister just doing what her big brother told her, but you truly consider what is really going on here. We come to think, wait, what, what and where is my allegiance and why? Current events justify apathy or downright rejection of things supposedly celebrated in the flag. If all lives mattered under the flag, then a certain group, black people, would not need to affirm themselves, be affirmed, or upon crying out, be repudiated. Consequently, the anthem is an easy opportunity for offense. Because it's playing doesn't mean the same for everyone. The nightly news and social media is filled with comments, reactions, and apologies. And then, we can't forget the blackballed athletes. However, the good news is maybe now is the time to grab the narrative post-anger. Now, at this time, we can define why we play it and what it means. Can we emerge from this time of tumult and reckoning as a nation stronger and more unified? I would say that we make that the obvious choice. Our sense of justice and pursuit of peace demands a nation where we can all exist according to laws representative of the people. An impetus for this new national identity can surely be redefining, really defining, what the two and a half, maybe more, minutes mean when we play the national anthem during sporting events or events at large. Let's take a stab. Be it declared that we play the anthem at large events and sporting events as a solemn offering of time to remember our national unity and citizenship above our team partiality and in the midst of our various diversities. During this time, we reflect on our freedom, our veterans, and our values. Oh, okay, wait. The, the power in protesting this time before was to bring awareness and challenge that maybe we all are free and we are being hypocritical in our values. Ah, but that which is currently missing is the ability to engage in an action at that time toward a solution or resolution. Maybe Mahmoud was on to something. Here's the radical thought. 
the populace can still use this time to reflect and honor and hopefully test whether we are living consistent to our values, but our leadership can especially additionally articulate that this time provides the patriot with the opportunity to publicly exercise his or her freedom of thought and religion by silently, with all appropriateness, positioning themselves, standing, sitting, or kneeling. Now then, I add, maybe in the background, to among other things, entreat our creator who endows us with inalienable rights to help us as we pursue our unity, fix our hypocrisy, convict us of our sin, national and individual. I may have gone far for secular purposes, but you get the point. Every game, the opportunity is there to allow the Lord to receive our care for the issues of this land or not. We know King Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to be one of the wisest men to ever live, filled with the Spirit of God. He built a temple in Jerusalem to serve as the worship center of the culture. During the dedication of the temple, he prayed to the Lord, and we take this excerpt from 2 Chronicles 6, 19-21. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be opened day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place, and listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Our government is not a theocracy, and prayer only to the God of the Bible cannot be mandated, but the concept of the freedom for a national dedicated time of solemnity, even by suggestion, is a powerful constraint of the moment to where we can actually get to do something and there be an effect. I understand that everyone doesn't think that way. I remember at a certain conference that I attended where some respected leaders addressed the attendees presenting the contemporary issues and celebrating activism urging us to do something, but specifically stating that we would need to do more than pray, as if we were relying on superstition or something to deliver us. I maintain that prayer is where it all begins, and that there isn't a more powerful thing that we can do. The term prayer works is conditional and shortened in presentation as it depends on the agent receiving the prayer. Prayer to a bag of potatoes, however earnest, doesn't work. And prayer is in the power of positive thinking profession, treads onto some other mystical turf. But when the object is faithful and true, whose steadfast love endures forever, our prayer is appropriately placed, primed for an answer. God responded to Solomon, appearing to him at night in Second Chronicles 7, 14-15, stating, 
If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Again, we are praying toward a temple. And by no means am I relegating prayer for the nation according to a simple athletic event. But maybe our American moment in its unity of diversity is to apprehend and confront the controversy over the anthem and rewrite the narrative. The anthem time can be the laboratory of the American experiment. Thousands of people can exercise their freedom with respect to all others. The flag becomes an emblem of the ability to exercise the freedom. At the same time, some can honor the country. Others can remember veterans. Still others can do nothing. But then others can actually do something that may impact the nation. Now, we don't worry about standing, kneeling, sitting. But for the kingdom's sake, on behalf of the nation, some can publicly, yet silently, exploit their freedom and acknowledge their sin and the sin of the land, and look for the Savior during this time, proving God, for he may hear and heal and thwart further calamity so history doesn't repeat. At least consider that we can remove the subtle inference of offense, despite the blatant offense of the lyrics of the actual anthem and later verses, to where the only flagrant offense is if you do something to violate another's right to participate. That's the American ideal. A new definition clarifies the purpose of the moment, perpetuates patriotism for those that need that, yet allows everyone to own the time as solemn, bigger than themselves, to do something, and maybe even for the one that can really do more than we could ask or think. May God help us and may our governmental leadership take charge to facilitate our national healing. Shout out to my boy B. Lord, we do entreat you for you are holy and righteous. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin individually and nationally as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lord, lead us not into temptation. Give us discernment from offense and deliver us from evil, that which would cause us to sin. For you are able to save and heal. In the name of Jesus, we approach the throne of grace. Amen. Just a note, this song, You Will Be Our God, is performed by the worship team from North Central University in Minneapolis, where the memorial for George Floyd was held.